Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Thursday's edition of the programme, it was a bit of a chilly start. There was frost in some areas earlier this morning. Certainly when I was coming to work at about eight o'clock, it seemed to be fine. There was a little bit of frost on the windscreen, but the road seemed to be OK. But then uh, talking with uh, Simon on The Breakfast Show, they were getting reports and there seemed to be a number of like minor sort of incidents out and about on the roads uh, today. So do be careful. And I suppose if you're in sheltered areas, uh, maybe there's more more frost. Maybe there was it was frostier in some parts of the county rather than others. So just be careful when you're out and about. And obviously, as always, we say to people, if you come across anything, let us know so that we could share it with the other uh, listeners and uh, keep everybody safe on our roads. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 Anything you want to share with us this morning, we would love to hear from you. The overcrowding in all of our hospitals and what's going on in the health service once again making a lot of headlines in the papers with what were according to the Cork Examiner this morning or the Examiner my apologies the patients could face weeks of overcrowding at the Cork hospitals unless there is a significant increase in staffing and that's coming as a warning from nurses there was yet another crunch meeting yesterday between the Irish Nurses Midwife Organisation representatives and the senior management from CUH and the South Southwest Hospital Group and they were discussing the record hospital overcrowding in recent days and we know there was a similar meeting held on Sunday. We know out of the Sunday meeting they decided to cancel all elective surgeries at the Cork Hospitals. We spoke about that yesterday with the Hospital Consultants Association. They say that's the wrong thing to do. That is not solving problems at all. It's only making people sicker. And then we had that heartbreaking chat yesterday with that young mother Noreen Kinsler talking about her little seven-year-old boy and actually I saw him on the news last night gorgeous, gorgeous her little son Tommy who urgently needs an operation on his heart that will completely change the quality of his life. I mean, to see him on the TV last night with a little mask over his face, this little seven-year-old boy, and he has to put that on to protect himself so that he doesn't pick up any colds or bugs or flus that are doing the rounds at the moment. His doctors are now saying he can't go back to school because he simply, they can't put him into a situation where he may be able to pick up something that one of the other children you know will bring to school and you know we know what kids are like when they go to school bugs get passed around classrooms pretty quickly but he's also starting to get really really tired because of what's going on with the valves in in his heart that need to be fixed and once the operation is done life will return to normal for this this little boy and he'll be able to go go out and go back to school and play football and do what other little seven year old boys do and to hear a little seven year old boy ask his Mammy, you know, to say, Mammy, when am I going to get the surgery? Because I want to go out to play. Really is heartbreaking. Noreen shared her story with us yesterday because her little boy's operation has been cancelled eight 
times and we all have our fingers and toes and saying prayers and lighting candles because he has a date for the operation next Wednesday and we have promised we will touch base with her next Wednesday and just keep fingers crossed and hope that that operation uh, does go ahead but that's just part of what has gone wrong with our with our health service and then this overcrowding that's happening in the A&E departments and yesterday actually we played out a piece online of a couple of the nurses that were going into those crunch meetings at CUH and the frustration from the nurses as they are desperately trying to do their work. You know, the work they're highly trained. I think in the majority of cases for nurses it's a vocation. You can't go into you can't see that job as a nine to five. I'll turn up, I'll do my bit and I'll go home. Because that's not the way they operate. And for the nurses, you know, they're leaving a very stressed out environment, driving home, worried about did I do that with that patient? Did I check back in on that patient? And that's you know, that's no way to be living their lives either and you could sense the way they spoke up on behalf of older people they feel they're advocates and they are advocates for older people who might not have anybody with them at the A&E department and they need help and they need somebody to speak up for them so you you know you could sense the sadness and the frustration on behalf of the nurses uh, as well so the the INMO held this meeting yesterday with the CUH and with the management of the South South West Hospital Group you know saying something has to be done they, they came out of the meeting saying there was an agreement in place to source extra beds from private hospitals and nursing homes but they say that the issues are being exacerbated by a significant number of delayed discharges and this is due to the absence of appropriate community care facilities and other beds. So I took a look at what are the delayed uh, discharges and how many people have been signed off they've been in hospital, they've had their treatment the doctors have said there's no more, no more we can do for you, you're ready to go Here's your letter of discharge. They end up staying in the beds because they've got nowhere to go. Nationwide, 540 beds are, I hate using the word blocked because I don't want to use the word bed blockers, but they are being blocked. These beds are blocked and then nobody else can get into the bed because there's a patient in the bed who is well, but has end, is now ended up stuck in the hospital Well. On the same week, I mean, think of the numbers, 540 in a bed that they don't need to be in on the week where we had a record high on people on a trolley downstairs in the A&E would dearly love to get into one of those beds. All of these patients, 540 of them, medically fit, ready for discharge and they can't leave because there isn't a step-down care facility available. For some of them, they'll need to move into nursing homes. But for others, it is probably down to having a home care package in place. They may be able to go home, but they're going to need home helps to maybe come in in the morning to get them out of bed, maybe put them back into bed in the afternoon. They just need a little bit of support because they can't get a home care package in place that they can't go home so they are stuck in the beds. For Cork University Hospital delayed discharges these are the latest figures 30 people this week are deemed delayed discharge at the same time as there was 43 people downstairs in the accident and emergency so that would have reduced that figure if those 30 people could have gone on either to a nursing home or gone home with a home care package it would have meant that the trolley figure for the Cork University Hospital on that particular day would only have been 13 which is a big difference to uh, 43 so we definitely have a crisis going on at our accident and emergency and certainly it's seems to me there's also a crisis going on with delayed discharges and I know there's uh, always there's, there seems to be an ongoing 
ongoing delay with the Fair Deal funding pre-approval even though as part of the winter plan the Fair Deal applications we were told were down to four weeks but it seems in some areas there seems to be delays with getting Fair Deal and of course if you can't get the Fair Deal put into place then you can't move on to the nursing home. So in a couple of minutes I'm going to be speaking with Independent Dáil Deputy for West Cork Michael Collins because Michael Collins is calling for a no confidence motion in the Health Minister Simon Harris and that's I suppose the question we're asking uh, today have the general public lost confidence in Simon Harris does it not matter who takes over that job as Health Minister just always seems to be an impossible task. We certainly throw money at it or the government throw money at it. Every time there's some crisis, there's extra money found, there's extra beds found. Um, and we just, and if you look at the amount of money we spend per head of population compared to other countries, we're well up there. We spend a lot of money on health, but whatever we do, we just don't seem to be spending the money correctly because we all, we seem to stumble from crisis to crisis. There's been lots of ministers have gone in there hoping that they were going to make a difference and they all go in there with the best of intentions but for whatever reason nobody seems to be able to get the Department of Health and get that all of our hospitals and all of our services running correctly and we are getting more and more closer to the American model of a two-tiered health system. If you have private health insurance, you're going to be okay. If you don't have private health insurance, then you join the long, long list of people, like all the ones in the A&E and all the ones that are on waiting list for cataract operations. Uh, That little boy, little Tommy uh, Kinsella, eight times to have his heart surgery cancelled. It's just, what do we do? How do we solve it? And is it time for Minister Simon Harris to go? And of course, if a vote of no confidence goes through for Minister Simon Harris, does that technically mean that we're going to end up having a general election? Is it now time for a general election? And I know that we have Leo Varadkar and Mio Martin in discussions about a general election. Do we need? Do we now need it sooner rather than later? Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. We're going to hear why areas of the city need controlled parking zones and this is to do with the, for people who live in and around Porky Cueve. It seems that people drive up to various events at Porky Cueve, be it a match or some of the many concerts that go on in Porky Cueve and people just seem to abandon their cars. They don't seem to think or care about residents who need to live in the area. So what would a controlled parking zone look like? What would it mean for the residents? Uh, we'll hear about that on the programme today. We're also going to be looking at Brexit on the programme in that we're speaking with MEP for the South, Billy Keller. I think actually this is our first time, I was saying this to jump on the office. I think this is our first time speaking with Billy Keller since he's been elected as an MEP. He is coming out saying he will find it difficult to vote in favour of the Brexit withdrawal agreement. We know that there will be a withdrawal agreement before the European Parliament at the end of this month, so in about three weeks' time. But all of the MEPs are going to have to vote whether they're in favour of it or not. He's particularly worried about citizens' rights for EU citizens and in particular EU citizens that are living in Northern Ireland. So we'll speak with Billy Keller about his concerns today. A member from Garda Siakona will join us for this week's 
uh, Crime Five, and then Jane Pickett will join us answering all of your pet questions. Your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning. Word of warning on bogus calls. Martin Indomamwe has been on to say he has been receiving a number of bogus calls. Constable World is a very long number, so you know straight away it's an international uh, call. And it's one of the ones where it rings, there's just two rings, so they don't want you to answer it. They want you to call it back. And of course, when you call it back, it is a premium line. One of the calls originated from El Salvador. Now, Martin said the week before Christmas was particularly bad in Dunmanway for getting these calls. And then he said they stopped, took a break over Christmas. But he said back yesterday with a vengeance, so just to warn people. And actually, it must be particularly bad this week because AIR have issued a tweet this morning asking people not to engage with spam callers and to simply ignore them. So they must be getting a lot of calls from their customers, from people saying uh, the amount of scam calls doing the rounds at the moment. Okay, some of your WhatsApps in on the current situation with the hospitals. Firstly, by text, Tom says, with the amount of money that we spend in the health department in this country, we should have state-of-the-art hospitals. Tom also feels that nurses are not paid enough for the work that they actually do. Audrey says, too many chiefs and not enough Indians in the HSE. That is the problem. While a Skull listener says, is when he heard that Deputy Michael Collins is coming on is is that all that Deputy Michael Collins can do is give out about everything why doesn't he do something about it it's talk 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 now I have to say and Michael Collins is really able to defend himself that's a little bit unfair for you to say that about a TD like Deputy Michael Collins when it comes to health and he not doing anything what about all the buses that he's been organised it's the 51st bus last weekend went up to Belfast with people for cataract operations and hip and knee operations I think that's actually doing something skull listener rather than talk 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 thank you for your, your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and someone else by WhatsApp said those politicians don't care about a lack of beds in hospitals why they won't ever end up having to lie on a trolley neither will their children Children have to wait for operations. And wasn't one, I just can't remember her name, one of the female Fianna Gael TDs before Christmas ended up in her local A&E department with her daughter. Now she ended up leaving the A&E department, I think after about 10 hours, she realised she wasn't going to get seen. So she took her child home instead. But she was actually sitting there hoping that people wouldn't realise who she was and that she was an elected TD for the area. She was so embarrassed and she was a backbench Fianna Gael TD and it was just shot. So you would hang your head in shame to think that a member of your own party that's in government is saying I didn't want anyone to realise who I was or the job that I did because she was so embarrassed by what is going on inside in her local A&E. 1850 Let's take a break and we're back talking with Deputy Michael Collins. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Now with the news that patients could face weeks of overcrowding at Cork hospitals following a week where numbers on trolleys reached record highs. Is it time for Minister Simon Harris to go? Independent Dáil Deputy Michael Collins believes so and uh, he joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, And you're welcome to the programme. Happy New Year to you. I think it's our first time speaking uh, in 2020. Now, are you considering tabling a no-confidence motion in the Minister for Health? 
Well, I met with um, our, the, the whip of our uh, independent, uh, rural independent group, uh, Matty McGrath, yesterday morning. There's seven of us uh, TDs in that group, and I've asked them that our next motion, which happens to take place in very early in February, would be a motion of no confidence on Minister uh, for Health, Simon Harris. Um, I have to get the support of four of the seven TDs, uh, they being um, myself, Matty McGrath, um, the two Hilly Rays, Michael Lowry, Dr. Michael Harty, and, and Noel Grealish. Um, I'm working on that support in the next few days and uh, hopefully for a number of reasons I suppose maybe other than the health but the health is the issue that we're calling a vote in all conference that doesn't have to trigger a general election I will uh, admit but at the same time it most likely it would but we're in a situation Because generally speaking that's what happens isn't it? I mean if there's that, a motion of no happens. confidence passed it's, the next thing that happens is yeah. The facts are we have a major crisis in almost every area of Irish Irish Health Service and this week alone has proved that with 760 people on trolleys we have elected elective surgeries are being cancelled there's an embargo all along in in home helps which has led to severe issues in in, in South West Cork where patients couldn't return from the hospitals to to their homes which left beds being being blocked in in hospitals we had uh, delayed discharges of over 220,000 beds days uh, have been lost in the first 11 months of 2019. The waiting list uh, for uh, people with, uh, with uh, simple procedures like cataract and, 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 and hips and knees and the 51st bus came back from Belfast yesterday to prove that, that people can get these simple procedures carried out. There's thousands of children on waiting lists looking for simple procedures like tonsillitis, looking for the, to meet consultants. And on top of that then, just in case it isn't hurtful enough, you have people, the ambulance services is in a shocking crisis where we have situations where the ambulance is parked outside hospitals for three to four hours and can't take patients into the hospitals. It's, uh, we're in an unprecedented crisis in relation to health. And and any um, self-respecting uh, politician that wants to face the people at any stage in their career co- cannot support or cannot continue to support Minister Simon Harris because he's weighing over his debt. And this is what's been proven. It's not just one issue. It's on a number of issues. And I certainly will be quite... Uh, insistent that our group uh, of rural independents will support me and we will be bringing forward that uh, motion no confidence in early February. And I was reading in the paper today that Micheál Martin said that there was no question of his party supporting the government in any confidence votes. So that would that would say to you that if you get if you manage to get the motion through, Fianna Fáil will support you. Yeah, I'd be hopeful enough that they would, but I think it's it's time for Fianna Fáil to come off the block here too, uh, Patricia, because this crisis is affecting uh, people, you know, the elderly people, I suppose, mainly, but it's affecting families, it's affecting young people right through the the, the whole of my own constituency, and throughout Ireland. And you know, no political party can stand idly by and and not act on this. And this is our opportunity to, to uh, my opportunity. Basically, I've been talking about this to the rural independent group for the for a number of months. I've seen myself firsthand. You know, and I've said it there while ago. People going up and down to Belfast, and they, they, people gone blind, lost have lost their sight because they can't get a fifteen twenty minute procedure carried out in their own locality for three to five years. People in pain with hips and knees, tonsillitis. You know, all the basic procedures that should be carried out within a three three to four month period people being left there for three to four to five years and it hasn't improved and I mean the proof in the pudding was there and I found it very difficult as a public representative for the last 68 months trying to get the most simplified service the home health service the great people that are trying to carry out homes and health services 
to look after people to make sure that those are in hospital and are able to come home, can come home, make sure they have a home health service, costing about 160 a week, and they've been kept inside in hospital, costing thousands a week. The whole system is wrong. It's creaking. Uh, uh, it's creaking, and it's. it's but about Michael, if if a general election was called in the morning, it won't take one person off a trolley. It won't take one person off a waiting list. It won't get one additional home help hours. Would you not be fearful that it could actually make the situation worse as every politician's focus then turns on saving their seats rather than trying to deal with what's going on in health? Well, first and foremost, Patricia, we all know in this country there is a general election is imminent. You have a situation where you have uh, Tishik Faradka and uh, the leader of the opposition, Michal Martin, meeting this evening. One of them is fighting to see would he have a general election at the end of April. The other one is fighting to see would they put it off to the 1st of May. They have to stop this catalogy. The, the, we've had a total underperforming doll as far as I'm concerned in here since well prior to the to the by-elections, which Fine Gael took a, a very heavy-hitting hammering uh, in, in those by-elections. It's been under performing since I can see it underperforming and continue the underperforming going forward until we have a general election and to clear the air. Nobody, no, like every politician, it's like a turkey voting for Christmas in his own right, but you have to. How can we continue as politicians to support or anyone to support a minister where, um, where, where as I've outlined, there's a number of crises going on in this country and there was solutions. There was, I won't say simplified solutions. We, we go back to a number of years ago where they closed the overnight E and E Bantry General Hospital they closed the overnight day in Yamello General Hospital. There's where the crisis emanated. We told them at that time, don't do this, because what you will is you'll have an overcrowding in CUH, you'll have an overcrowding in other hospitals, but they continued to not listen to us. I know the crisis is here before them. Why has there been an embargo on home health? I can't understand for the life of me that this government can't understand. I cannot see the benefits of a home health service and a proper home health service. And also filling a vacant nurse's post, that's another situation that has caused exasperation. I've been inside the Indies. I've seen what's happening about there. It's like a scene from a major bomb or a crisis. Yeah, it's like a war. A war. Like people talk about it being like a war zone. And we had some nurses on yesterday who were, you could hear it in their voices, their frustration and their sadness at not being able to do their jobs properly. How can they, if anyone saw what I saw above in, in CUH in the last number of months with patients lying literally falling out over trolleys and, and nurses trying to treat them on the corridors. It's an outrageous situation. I mean, even people as far away as Limerick ringing me, pleading with me, spending a whole week on a trolley, cannot get a, cannot get a hospital bed. Never mind to think that I'm getting calls from people with COH and, 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 and for the field. And we, do you know, that type of a crisis you know, they've been given eight years in government. Never mind, I think they were the last four and they've been promising and now we hear Mr. Harris saying things will improve in the years ahead. Things need to improve today. They had, should have been improved uh, yesterday. They knew, they always know there's going to be a crisis in health in coming near Christmas and, 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 and New Year and they really have left the people down and, and the, the biggest sins are, are very simply rectified. As I said to you, 160 euros a week could uh, provide a home health service for for a number of people that are in hospitals that can go home and be looked after at home. We also, Patricia, to be quite honest with you, we have a, no, a number of underperforming ministers, and I said that quite often, and I'm not here, because if this government is working, I'm working with them, and I'd like to work with them, because I don't, nobody wants a generation, but at the end of the day, we're going to have one very soon, and we have a housing crisis, we have a farming 
fishing crisis out there, and there's, we, have, we have a situation where we are shocking um, Minister for Transport, where public transport in West Cork is in a, a terrible state, shocking road infrastructure, you know, hasn't been improved. We have a number of issues that need to be resolved. They're not going to be resolved by this current government, but in particular, and I have to stand out that the health is, is the one biggest issue that people are in contact with me every day of the week, every night of the week, in pain, in agony, and they're not able to take any more. And All right, so we, we know, and as you've said, we have the two uh, leaders, Miho Martin, Leo Varadkar, preparing to discuss the timing of the uh, election. Is your message dissolve the doll and allow the lecturer to decide? Uh, absolutely, and that's the, the feedback I'm getting from the electorate out there. They're, they're, they're hungry for a general election. Uh, we need to face the people and let the people make their mind up whether this government have performed properly or not. If they feel they have, well, that's fair enough. I accept that too. But my feeling is that we definitely, I certainly don't have any confidence. And I've been talking to some of my colleagues this morning. They don't have confidence in the Minister for Health. And if that's the case, we will be having emotion, no confidence in early February. And the Minister for Health uh, seminar is the rural independent group. And if that's supported, and I expect that will be supported in the doll. It will either it will lead to one or two things: Minister Harris resigning, which uh, is, in my view, uh, necessary uh, for 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 to bring improvements to the health service in this country. Or if if uh, Leo, uh, Mr. Artisha Baraka decides he has to call a general election, that's his choice. Then. Okay, all right. And just uh, Billy in Bandon contacted the program to say he had occasion to get in contact with uh, Deputy Michael Collins' office during the week. Uh, he called into the office on Monday. A guy in that office gave me details for a person in one of Michael's other offices to contact a lady called Margaret who was in connection with the cataract bus Margaret sorted me out would you ever tell Deputy Michael Collins to hang on to Margaret she's excellent so compliments to Margaret alright we'll talk again Michael we leave it there thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us. Lehman Bruff says, I think the structure, this is what's wrong in health. I think the structure is too big for one minister. I think they should have individuals appointed for the province. So one person with ministerial charge in control of the Munster area, one for the Connacht area, one for the Leinster area, as well as one for the greater Dublin area and let them tell the hospitals what to do. Also, Lehman Brough feels that the unions have destroyed the health system. Uh, thank you for that. And Kay says, let's get real here. Bringing about election is just like moving the deck chairs on the Titanic. The health system has gone wrong years ago and it just seems to be getting worse year on year. Whatever system they are using clearly does not work. What's needed is somebody with a good knowledge of how to bring about a proper fit for purpose health system. There has to be a proper working system somewhere on this planet, not just what seems like a bunch of incompetents feathering their own nests, all busy pointing fingers, says uh, Kay. So it is the system that is wrong. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio.
Just to follow on to a piece we did earlier in the week, remember we were contacted by Damien, a listener in the Mallow area, who wanted to highlight illegal dumping that was happening in the Sandfield Terrace area of Mallow. It was at the back of houses. Somebody was using the area to dump what Damien said was domestic rubbish. And he particularly was annoyed because he said it's an area where there's a lot of elderly people live. It's kind of a mature area of Mallow. A lot of elderly people live there. And obviously they were fearful of this domestic rubbish wasn't collected and taken away that it would lead to rats and rodent problem. So he flagged it with us. We got onto the council and Damien is back on to say the council has done a fantastic job. They moved in, they've cleaned it up and uh, it's spotlessly clean now. Now we've just got to keep our fingers crossed and hope whoever was doing that dumping won't dump there again. But well done to the council who reacted really, really quickly once our, their attention was drawn to that rubbish. And thank you to Damien, by the way, for contacting us and for highlighting it here on the programme. Now, according to a Green Party councillor, controlled parking zones are needed to combat the persistent problem of illegal parking in the Docklands area of the city. Councillor Lorna Bogue joins me to outline her concerns. Good morning to you, Lorna. Morning, how are you, Patricia? I'm very well and a happy new year to you. And uh, you're very welcome to the programme. Now, does this illegal parking, I'm assuming this, does it only happen when there's events or matches on a Porky Cueve? Is that where the problem is? Well, it's it's particularly, you know, um, persistent um, around those times. So, you know, like as, as a councillor, I would actually get queries all the time from my constituents. I'm very much like that waste problem um, that um, the radio show seems to have resolved uh, along with the council as well. So whenever there's a problem that's particularly acute, that's when I would start getting a lot of contact from constituents about it. So um, illegal parking is a problem that's persistent all the time um, in Cork City. Um, and it's not it's not just limited to match days, but there is an acute problem on match days um, that my constituents would be... Um, contacting me about. And what kind of problems are, is all this illegal parking causing the local residents? Oh gosh, um, it's quite a few problems. So I suppose for local businesses, if a car is parked there and they're not using the local business, that actually affects um, the amount of customers that they're getting. If a car is parked up on the pavement, um, what happens is the weight of the car obviously damages the pavement but also if you're a person who's using a wheelchair or you're a person who's using a buggy um, or anything like that, um, you it's very difficult to um, get past it. Um, and if you're visually impaired as well, um, if there's something there on the footpath that you're not expecting to be there, um, that can cause people problems too. Um, so I, I have quite a few um, constituents, um, particularly in that area, um, because it's a, an older and more settled kind of area where, um, you know, like they would have mobility issues in particular um, or wheelchair users. And it is causing issues for them um, when the when the footpaths are being parked on. So, I mean, it's awful to think of an elderly person who might want to go out and they've got to stop and think, is there something on today? Which means there's going to be a lot of cars around, which means I won't, yeah. be, I won't be able to venture out. But all of those events, Lorna, do they not have a traffic management plan that surely well, would include where and where not people can park? Yes. So I, I suppose a, a normal kind of politician kind of thing to say would be to um, try and come up with an answer for that. As far as I know, yes, but I actually don't fully know the answer to that. Um, so that's what this motion is about, really. It's trying to 
get that information first from the executive as to where the lines of responsibility are. Um, and I've also put a question into our chief executive as well to find out exactly who is responsible for the um, traffic management um, during these events. Is it a case of it's the council? Is it a case of is it the guards? Is it a case that the event promoters are supposed to be doing it? Um, or is it kind of a mix of all three where there's a contribution made um, to the council or the guardie for overtime, etc., etc.? I actually need to figure that out first. Because um, with, with the wonderful upgrade of Porky Cueve, which has you know, made mm. it into a stunning venue, there are now more events and matches, aren't they, than ever because of the upgrade? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, it's 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 a safety thing as well for the attendees um, in Pork Cueve too, because if, if people are parked illegally, it makes it more difficult for, God forbid, like if an ambulance or a fire truck or anything needed to get in, um, it actually makes it more difficult for them to manoeuvre around as well. So, you know, it, it's about it's about everyone's health and safety, really. Um, I'm not being... You know, I'm not attacking anyone in particular over this. Like, it's just that there's an issue here and I would like to get it resolved. OK, um, a listener is saying, what, what about enforcement? Is there not enforcement of illegal parking in that area? Are the Gardaí not down there on match days or on concert days? What about traffic wardens? Mm, well, see, this, this is another question as well. So about a month or two ago, I actually put in a question to the council about parking enforcement in Cork City council area in general Um, and what came back to that was that if you have parked somewhere where you're supposed to park and you get the ticket and you put it on your car but then you run out of time on it Mm. that is more likely to be enforced than if you park up on a pavement completely illegally um, you know that you're not in a place where you're supposed to be parking at all at all Um, so that that's kind of that doesn't make any sense well, no, it doesn't. Um, this is this is this is again another thing that um, now this one is one that I've brought up the Joint Policing Committee, um, but the actual dangerous parking, which is parking on the footpath or parking on cycle lanes or parking on bus lanes, where you're actually moving vulnerable road users off where they're supposed to be and into the road, that is enforced about less than one percent of the time. Whereas if you're someone who has parked where you're supposed to park, you've put a ticket on your car and then and it you know, runs, time runs yeah. away. And, you know, you're 10 minutes late with, yeah. getting back to your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's well, the, you know, it's the parking ticket is, that infuriates yeah. so many people. Yeah. Well, you know, Cork City is such a brilliant place. Obviously, you know, you, you could get lost in, in time here. Um, but, um, you know, that's, that's far more likely to be enforced. Um, than the actual dangerous. Okay. Um, and then, parking. Lorna, what do you say to people listening, especially those in the county who have to travel to events in, in their own cars? They, they, you know, while you'd like, I know as a, a Green Party council, you'd like everyone on public transport, but that isn't always possible. I mean, no. do, but do people need to stop and think where they are parking? Um, yes, they, they do. Um, because if you're, if you're parking up on a footpath, for example, like that's, that's the main one that's really causing issues for my constituents. So if you're mounting a footpath, um, you're actually causing quite a few problems, um, particularly for people with disabilities, people who are visually impaired, um, and for, um, 
you know, mothers with young children and who need buggies and, um, you know, like those kind of requirements. Like if you're park- if you're managing a footpath, um, I would say, like, please don't do that um, because that's actually, you know, really causing a lot of inconvenience okay. um, for people. All right. Um, so okay. No doubt it's an issue we will return to, Lorna. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Yeah, no worries. Take Good care. morning Bye-bye. to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Councillor Lorna Bogue. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A reminder to you that right across this week we've teamed up with the Park Avon Hotel on the Muckross Road in Killarney. That was formerly the Holiday Inn and they've given us wonderful daily prizes to give away and we are upping the standard of the prizes today because today's prize is two nights B&B in one of their classic double rooms but it's not just for two people it is for two adults and two children. It comes with complimentary leisure facilities which includes the heated indoor swimming pool they have a sauna, they have a steam room and they have a fitness room and of course the one thing about the Parkhaven Hotel it's in walking distance of Killarney Town Centre which is full of lively bars and attractions and it's the perfect base to see and explore Killarney you're invited to explore relax and enjoy and if you want to find out more about the hotel you can check out their website parkhavenhotel.com in the next hour, we'll play you a clip from a well-known Kerry man. I, I, t- today is easier, I have to say. It is easier. Uh, we've had every day this week on all of our famous Kerry men, we've had a lot of wrong answers. I'll be surprised if many get today's wrong, but you never know. You never know. So we'll play out the, Kerry, the well-known Kerry man in the next hour. And then you've got to either text or WhatsApp us to 0862 103 103 for your chance to win two nights B&B in a family suite for two adults and two children. Lovely, lovely prize from the Parkhaven Hotel on the Muckross Road in Killarney. Let me get back to your calls and comments coming into the programme. Now, I mentioned rubbish in the last hour and in particular, we were paying credit to the council who moved in and cleaned up an area in Mallow in at the back of the houses in Sandfield Terrace from what I could gather the way it was described by Damien one of our listeners to the programme earlier on in the week and rubbish was mounting up there it seemed to be household rubbish we alerted the attention of the council and they cleaned it up and they've done a fabulous job and we were complimenting them and saying well done well that's prompted James in the Woodview Drive area of Mallard to contact us to say at the back of some of the houses in that area there's a stretch of what he describes as waste council ground and it has a stream at the back of it and there's dumping going on in that area. Now the dumping obviously has been going on for a while and nothing's been done about it because there are now evidence of rats and people are seeing rats in the area because of the illegal dumping. James says the council are aware of the problem. They did send workers up, they did take a look at it but according to James nothing was done about it now there are locked gates but there's items being dumped outside the gate and there's also I'm imagining items are being thrown over the gate as well and he said as he said it has been reported to the council we'll send out an email as we normally do when we get calls in like that just to see what is going on but that seems like that is a big big problem in the Woodview Drive area of Mallow who's doing the dumping I mean I'm assuming it's not locals because locals are certainly not going to want rats in their area it does sound particularly shocking so we'll we'll see if we can go to the council and find out what's going on there particularly when they've sent somebody up to take a look at it I'm surprised that it hasn't been uh, sorted out on parking some calls in on parking following my interview with Councillor Lorna uh, Bogue. Jonathan and Douglas said, why did they put the stadium, i.e. Porky Cueve, in an area like that where there's so many houses nearby? You would question the planning decision 
for Porky Cueve day one, says Jonathan and Douglas. Connor and Bandon says when they were redoing Porky Cueve, they should have simply closed down Porky Cueve and moved the venue to outside the city. Connor would have suggested putting a new Porky Cueve in some place like Curraheen. He said where it is at the moment is too congested and he's Connor who's in Bandon has to take the car if he wants to go to a match. He said, where is he supposed to park? It's not the the people who come from the county areas and other parts of the city that want to go to a match or an event. If you have to drive uh, to it, where are you? There isn't adequate parking, I suppose, is what Connor is saying. And Michelle Inescara said, why did they not build the event centre on the site where the marquee is? And of course, this is the last year, isn't it, of live at the marquee. Then they would they could have had additional parking there and that parking could have been used on the days that Porky Cueve was opened as well. Uh, instead, now that particular site where Live of the Marquis is on, this is the last year of it and then they're going to build houses and what's more houses going to do, says Michelle? It'll bring more cars into the area. It'll make the area even busier. So if you think the problems are bad at the moment, it's going to get worse when those new houses uh, go up. He fe- uh, Michelle feels the event centre should have been built there, not houses. 1850 Let me go to health and the government and is it time for the current government to go? We know, we know, and I think it's actually happening at some stage today that we have Leo Varadkar, the two leaders, preparing to discuss the timing of the election. And if you're reading in the papers today, there's a lot of speculation as to when we know we're going. We know, well, we know we have to have an election sometime during 2020. The majority of TDs, I'm assuming, would prefer for a summer election. It's easier for canvassing. It's easier to go out in the evening time to knock on people's doors. Nobody wants to be ringing on doorbells on a dark winter's evening. But there's a lot of speculation in the papers today and some of this is actually coming from senior Fine Gael sources, according to some of the political commentators, believing that we could be going to the polls less than a month. Friday the 7th of February or would you like to go to the... And then a week later is Valentine's Day because they all like Fridays for elections. So we could be going on Valentine's Day but Valentine's Day happens to also be the same day of the Fianna Fáil Ardesh so, well, I mean, it'd be easy for them to cancel the Ardesh to a different date, I suppose. But there is speculation that we could have an election as early as February. So, some of your thoughts coming in between do we need an election and what's going on in health? Let me give you a snapshot of some of the calls and texts that we've had in. Dan says, Patricia, while I'm sure that we need to get rid of this, what he calls pathetic government, let us not forget that Fianna Fáil destroyed our country 10 years ago. Perhaps we need a new board, like what they're doing with the FAI. Give Leinster House to somebody like Peter McVerry. Oh, imagine Peter McVerry, the wonderful Peter McVerry in charge. He'd make a difference. He certainly would. Thank you for that, uh, Dan. On the hospitals, it is not the manage, is it not the managers of all of these hospitals to manage their hospitals hospitals better? They're paid in excess of €200,000 a year to do the job. They should be sacked. If this was any other business, like a private business, they would be the first to go. That's from Rob in West Cork, who is out in defence of Minister Simon Harris and says, 
that minister, indeed any minister, there's only so much a minister can do. They can't micromanage every single hospital. Kevin says, hi Patricia, why aren't the credit, why aren't the trade unions organising people protests against what's going on in our hospitals? Old people who broke their backs for this country are now being dumped, it feels like in rubbish skips. The unions organised protests against increases in PAYE a number of years ago. As for Michal Martin, don't have much time for him and how TDs on both sides of the House can face the public and ask them to vote for them. They must have no shame. If Formoy Cattle Mart was run the way this country is run, it would have closed down within a week. It would have been closed, certainly if it was run like a hospital, it would have been closed by the health and safety. It's really sad to think men gave their lives for this country so that we could have our independence and be citizens. The migrants that come into this country are treated better than our own citizens, says uh, Kevin. Someone else says the HSE is corrupt. Fat cats, big payouts, overhaul the HSE and maybe then things will change. But didn't they, didn't we do an overhaul when we got rid of the health boards? Remember that? They were saying, oh, the health boards, that's not working. Let's overhaul the whole system. Let's put the HSC and the HSC was going to answer it all. And it, you know, so, so I don't know. Do we go back to the health boards? But when we were back with the health boards, we were giving out about them as well. I think the text earlier says a complete new system is, is what is needed. But what is that new system? I don't know. Uh, morning, Patricia. Where was that fellow for the last four years? I'm assuming this is uh, was Michael Collins. Uh, he's just electioneering. Everything that was done by Fina Gale was supported by Fina Fall. So they're all guilty of what has gone wrong. Well, Michael Collins, who we spoke with, is an independent Dáil, Dáil deputy, so he isn't a member of either of the two parties that you cite. My heart goes out to nurses, says another texter. They're overworked, they're underpaid, their stress levels must be extremely high. In Australia, do you know that nurses rotate three eight-hour shifts. The hours here are far too long and I have spoken to nurses who've worked in Australia and they literally, that's the way it's done there. Three eight-hour shifts across the 24 hours and as soon as your eight hours are up, next team is in. They work for the eight hours. When their shift is up, the next team is in so nobody heads for uh, burnout and that's what's happening with a lot of our nurses. I mean, there was that nurse who spoke the other day when they were going into the meeting for to cancel before they cancelled the elective surgery in the Cork hospitals it was last Sunday there was a nurse who went into on behalf of the INMO who went in who worked in A&E and she said for the first time she just broke down in tears she just got that exasperated frustrated saddened just not able to do a job and broke down in tears I mean you just have to think that if somebody is, is that stressed doing their job that they end up in tears you just wonder you know how she, it's that you're not even functioning properly at that level if you're that if you're that stressed out that you end up in uh, tears that certainly the understaffing and, and the overcrowding that ha- absolutely has to be dealt with and this government says this texture will go down in the history for all the wrong reasons how can you have a united Ireland when you have such a, a divisive government um, they seem to be all about big rich farmers says this uh, texture. and then some of your WhatsApps in hi Patricia this is a lengthy text from oh uh, Councillor Paul Hayes 
in West Cork. Hi, we're listening to a conversation with uh, Deputy Michael Collins and I have to agree with his assessment that the current situation in our health, health service is unprecedented. I've been in touch with frontline staff over the last year, be they ambulance, paramedics, nurses and those in the medical health sector and all are at their wits end at the moment. The huge backlog in our accident and emergency department is having a detrimental effect on other services, including plan and surgeries. I sat and spoke with a cancer patient earlier this week and their critical operation on a cancerous tumour due next week will now most likely be postponed. Due to the short window of opportunity to have this operation, this debacle is having a dreadful effect on this patient and is causing undue worry to patients like this and in this case may have to go back for another round of chemotherapy treatment over the next few months to shrink the tumour again before another operation can be considered. If there is a motion of no confidence in Minister Simon Harris, I know my party colleagues in Sinn Féin will support the motion of no confidence. It's time for an election, new ideas and for frontline staff and patients in our healthcare system to be prioritised. And that comes in regards uh, Councillor Paul Hayes, Sinn Féin Councillor in West Cork. That's that's a really sad story that uh, Paul tells. And it ties in, doesn't it, with my chat during the week with the hospital consultants who would, when we, because when we came into work on Monday and we were mentioning, and it was on the news, that the elective, all elective surgeries were cancelled at all of the Cork hospitals for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. And I don't know if they're cancelled for the rest of the week either, but they were certainly being cancelled for the three days. And most people initially thought elective surgeries, people were thinking of somebody, while well, it would be sad waiting on a cataract operation, it gets cancelled. Or if you're waiting on a hip and a knee operation, it would get cancelled. And most people thought that elective surgeries were kind of the non urgent surgeries. And, you know, you kind of, people were kind of saying, if they need the beds for, you know, much more sicker people, then sure, we've got to, you know, people are just going to have to wait. And you know, if they're in pain, you know, they'll get the operation in the next few weeks, it'll be okay. And give up the beds to the more, more serious patients. But very few people thought about the fact that in the middle of all of those elective surgeries there are urgent surgeries as well and that there are surgeries of patients who have a cancer diagnosis and that was the one thing I think that shocked me when I spoke with the Hospital Consultants Association because they really wanted to highlight the patients who have cancer who would have a sur- who was going to have a surgery cancelled and what it could mean for the outcome for that uh, person because we know certainly with cancer it's early intervention but it was it's something that you don't think of when you think of when the when the term elective surgery is used. So that case that Paul, Councillor Paul Hayes is highlighting is exactly what we were talking about. And then the knock-on, because if the tumour can't be operated on, say it was due to be operated on Monday, and if they say, no, sorry, all elective surgeries are cancelled, that's an elective surgery, it's a planned one. No, you can't be, you go back on the list. And then they call that patient back, you know, they squeeze them in in the next month or whatever but the tumour has continued to grow suddenly the tumour sorry it's too big we can't do anything it was at the right size because of the chemotherapy you have to go back for more chemotherapy that's you imagine what it's doing to that person's mind you know they're doing their best to try and stay positive and anyone who has cancer is always told try and stay positive which is a very hard thing to do and they're doing everything right they go for chemotherapy which if you t- speak to anyone who's had chemotherapy it's a very very tough treatment and they go through all of that they get the tumour shrunk to the size that it can be operated on only to have the can- their surgery cancelled that just simply is not good enough it really isn't uh, thank you for your text Paul 
086-2103-103. Really absolutely shocking. Uh, Patricia, the time has come, says another texter, to stop talking and rectify the problem of understaffing in our health system and we need to do it immediately. Doctors and nurses are being trained and then emigrating before ever giving back to this country. The government should insist that all graduates should be employed for two full years on completion of their degrees. This would ensure a continuous supply of staff within the health system and it's a solution that could be implemented immediately and, and it's a system that works in other countries that if you get your education in this country that the payback is that you have to remain, do the job for a number of years and then you can move on if you want to travel and, and I heard only recently of somebody who's son, newly qualified uh, doctor. I think he did a couple of months in a private hospital. Certainly hasn't worked in the public sector and has just gone off to Australia and of course the Australians absolutely, they take the hand in all off you for our qualified nurses and doctors because they're so highly qualified and because they come with such a good work ethic about them and they're just loved. Our, Our medical profession are just loved all over the world so they've no problem at all getting jobs but I did think when I heard about that young doctor heading off I just thought what you know Australia's gain is certainly Ireland's loss 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 C103 Jobs With Hewitt College now enrolling for full-time fifth and sixth year and repeat Leaving Cert programmes your success is built on their experience See hewittcollege.ie Farm operator wanted for the North Cork area now your experience is essential a kitchen assistant is wanted that's a full-time position and it's at Araglen House Nursing Home that's in Bohabwe. General operatives required, this is for the North Cork area. You need to be over 25. You also need to have a clean driver's licence. And a tractor driver required for an agri-contractor. It's also in the North Cork area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie For the best weekend sports coverage in Cork, it's got to be C103. I'll bring you updates on cross-channel soccer racing and anything else that happens in the world of sports. Rory Burke kicks off your weekend with a comprehensive Saturday sports preview from 11am. Mark Malone keeps the ball rolling with Cork Sports Saturday from 2. Then Cork Sports Sunday completes your weekend between 2 and 7pm. Every puck, every kick, every score, every weekend. Let me tell you what's happening sporting-wise this weekend here on C103. For sport in Cork, it's got to be C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And no, the competition for the Park Avon Hotel in Killarney where we're giving away the two nights bed and breakfast in a family suite for two adults and two children. We're not doing that until the next hour. I can already see people uh, texting us and uh, asking us it happened this or no, it's going to be in the next hour. So hang on for that. Now, Fianna Fáil MEP Billy Keller has cautioned that unless improvements are made in terms of citizens' rights commitments, 
he will find it difficult to vote in favour of the Brexit withdrawal agreement when it comes before the European Parliament. Of course, that's happening later this month. Joining me from Brussels is MEP uh, Billy Kelleher. Good morning to you, Billy. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, And you're you're welcome to the programme. Now, it's the, the Irish and the EU citizens living in Northern Ireland that you're most concerned about. What are your worries for those people post Brexit? Well, my comments are very simply that in the event of um, their rights being diminished, well, then, you know, it undermines their basic citizenship of the European Union. At the moment, an Irish citizen uh, by birth in Northern Ireland can either, uh, will be an Irish citizen and equally a European citizen and will have all the protections that support it. However, after 31st of January and during the transition period, um, their their rights will be diminished to a certain extent. Uh, you just take last night, for example, votes in the House of Commons around the whole issue of Erasmus programmes for students in Northern Ireland. Um, an Irish citizen who could be even married to a European citizen um, might have difficulties um, in ensuring that they can live and reside in Northern Ireland, their spouse live and reside in Northern Ireland. So all of these issues do need to be addressed in advance of we agreeing to the withdrawal agreement um, to ensure that Britain lives up to its commitment, lives up to basic decency and the integrity of what citizenship should afford an Irish person in the context of the Good Friday Agreement. And by extension, people who are in a relationship with an Irish person. I've had contact with people who are in a relationship, living in Derry, uh, whose spouse is from uh, Sweden, uh, and they're very unsure whether or not that spouse will be able to work and reside uh, in Derry. So from that perspective, uh, you know, it is it does diminish the citizenship rights of Irish citizens in Northern Ireland. And let's, and let's, need to address. And let's not forget, Billy, uh, the people of Northern Ireland uh, vo- voted to remain. Yes, they did. And looking at the votes in the House of Commons and even the commentary from some of the speakers uh, that contributed in the debate, uh, this is becoming quite vindictive uh, in terms of uh, people that aren't UK citizens and how the UK will deal with those afterwards. Bearing in mind there's about 3.2 million European citizens living in the United Kingdom and there's about 1.2 million UK citizens living in the European Union. Now the last thing we need is to start bargaining the rights of citizens um, between the UK and the European Union over the next number of months and maybe years in the context of the future negotiated settlements that we will arrive at with the UK. So I believe we have to copper fasten the rights of citizens now uh, at the early stages, put down a clear marker that the European Union will not negotiate away rights and entitlements of citizens, either Irish citizens living in the North or UK citizens living in the European Union and the quick pro quo of that as well. And have you written to both the Irish and the British governments? Well, I have, and I raised this particular issue yesterday um, in Brussels. We had a meeting, our own group. Um, we have a, a steering committee that negotiates on behalf of the Parliament uh, on the issues around Brexit. And I've been very forceful in this, and I've got, you know, good support from my own political grouping Renew Europe. We will have a motion down before the Parliament in Strasbourg next week. And, you know, I'm looking forward to those particular issues being debated. And in the context of uh, what I've done myself, I've written to the Irish government, to the UK government and to the European Commission, just so that we can 
guarantee to people that are now residing in Northern Ireland, be they Irish citizens who may have a partner from the European Union, or Irish students. Bearing in mind, you can have uh, students now in colleges in in Derry, in Coleraine, in, in, in Belfast, uh, or students coming out of second level who would be looking at the Erasmus programme, for example, as an opportunity to go abroad for a year. That was denied to them last night in the House of Commons by a very spiteful uh, vote uh, by the Conservative uh, Party. So look, we have to be conscious of what is happening and we shouldn't abandon uh, rights and entitlement to be negotiated in some future trade deal. These must be copper fastened uh, at the early stages of this discussion. Okay, I know Boris Johnson hopes to reach a fair, the, the free trade agreement with the EU by the end of this year. Um, but did you believe that's achievable? No, and uh, I, I believe that the Prime Minister doesn't believe it's achievable either, but I think he wants just to keep the momentum going of being the man that delivered Brexit, uh, that is, you know, standing up to the European Union uh, and all of that. Let's be clear, the European Union doesn't want to prevaricate or delay the UK leaving. It was the UK itself who decided to leave and then was incapable of coming to a consensus on how it would leave. But now we are where we are. The first thing is we must deal with the citizens' rights, uh, the the cost of the UK leaving, uh, the bills to be paid by the UK, and once that's done and dusted, we go into the detailed negotiations around trade, around um, the financial services, goods, commerce, uh, and how all that will happen. But that will take uh, a long, protracted length of time. And the idea that the UK is going to have access to the European market um, with different standards, uh, simply I don't accept will happen. And the UK will have to accept at some stage that if they want to trade with the European Union, well, then there are certain obligations that they will have to fulfil, like standards uh, on the environment, on employment, on health and safety, uh, and, on, uh, and on just basic uh, rules that will govern uh, the trade agreement into the future. So while there may be a broad push agreement, there won't be a detailed agreement, and that will take a lot longer. Then there's only, there's only what, like 11 months. I saw Michael Barnier uh, come out and say as well that, the, you know, there's no way that this can be done in 11 months. But then, the, you know, the British Prime Minister, uh, Boris Johnson, is saying uh, the UK will not extend the transition period beyond December. But you reckon that will have to change? Well, well there's two things will happen. I mean, either the UK or the European Union or both uh, will come to an arrangement towards the end of this year now that they need uh, additional time to iron out a proper trade agreement, or the UK crashes out of the, um, the European Union uh, in its entirety. Well, no one I wants that, including the UK. Yes. So I just believe at this stage that, look, I mean, they, uh, the Tory government wants to keep the momentum uh, in their favour in terms of being the ones that delivered on Brexit. But the longer term issue is, look, if you want a negotiation settlement in terms of trade and commerce, uh, goods and services, well, then, you know, we must do it right as opposed to it rushed. OK. All right. Listen, Billy, we appreciate you taking our call today. Thank you for that. And Thank uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Billy Keller. MEP for the South uh, joining us from uh, Brussels and actually I can see in the last hour Michael Barnier is um, who's the main um, Brexit negotiator is talking about this and uh, you know saying that in the longer term he is holding out the possibility of um, an unprecedentedly close relationship 
between Europe and Britain. I mean, that's what everyone is hoping for. And he says, we'll strive for a partnership that goes well beyond trade, covering everything from services and fisheries to climate action, energy, transport, space, security, defence. But he said there's a huge agenda and we simply cannot expect to agree on every single aspect of that partnership in under one year. It is just simply unrealistic. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your call. Sticks or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Low cost fuel.ie The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie The Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie C103 This is the Cork Today Replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And we are going to for more Guide the Station where I'm joined by Sergeant uh, John Kelly for this week's uh, Guide the File. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia, and Happy New Year. And many happy returns. Okay, we are starting with something that we covered so much last year. And here we go, 2020, and it's still happening. Cars broken into, and one of them wasn't locked. Yeah, one of them wasn't locked. Um, I suppose, uh, just to start with it, uh, we have cars that are broken into, and we have cars that are left unattended and unlocked. Um, And uh, the first incident falls into that category. And it occurred on Wednesday. Uh, between half ten and half eleven over there at Donrail Park. Uh, a person, uh, their van was unattended. Um, there was an iPad and a uh, sum of money taken from the van when he returned. Uh, so it's just for people just to bear in mind, you know, you're walking away, you know, just make sure you, that you lock up, just make sure as well that you turn around and you make sure that it has been, that it has been locked because it might be a faulty battery in your in your electronic key or it may be that you know it could be as well that jammers uh, have have been used but I think in most cases it's not it's just that people haven't checked that they're Yeah they're and I th- that's locked. that's an interesting point you make because I do think the majority of people you know genuinely think that particularly now we all a lot of us have the ones you just press the button and it locks yes. whereas ba- Back in the day when you put the key in and you turned it, you could physically see you were locking the car. Well, you were certain of it. Yeah, Yeah. I think maybe that that's what's happening because when we're hearing so much about cars being unlocked, you're thinking, God, why are people leaving their cars unlocked? But I think that might be the reason people walk away believing that the car is locked and maybe just hasn't. And as well as that, uh, I suppose when you think of the the electronic key as well, you throw it into a pocket, but it could hit change in the pocket, it could hit something else that's in in your pocket and it could just as rapidly unlock by by clicking onto something in your pocket, you know? Mm. Um, So, uh, like, it's a different procedure. So just just to make sure, verify that it has been uh, locked. Um, so and Don- Donnerill Park is Wednesday. a popular place. Yeah, Wednesday, yesterday, you know. Yeah, a lot, and a lot of people go there and we are, no, it's a bit early in the season for to be warning people about, you know, going to beaches and in parks. Yes. And uh, But any time of the year, Donnerill Park is used to go for a walk. But we're back to that. If you are well, parking up, you shouldn't leave anything. And, and, and as well as that, there's a very popular playground there. You know, yeah, so children, you will have yeah. a lot of parents there. 
uh, with you know with children at certain times. Now, possibly not at half ten in the morning, uh, unless they're very young kids that aren't back to kindergarten or whatever. But at the same time, just for people to be aware of it, if you saw anybody carrying. Uh, carrying an iPad uh, in Donrail Don Park, just near the car park. You know, if you saw them getting into a car, you know, we would welcome any information that you can pass us, uh, you know, about any crime that we're talking about today. But that was, yeah, it was yesterday morning. Okay, that, that was, was one, yesterday morning. That yeah. was one, and then there was a second one? Uh, second incident was Tuesday. And uh, this, this was an incident whereby uh, three ladies were attending a removal over in Mitchellstown. They parked their car at, Kingston College to go down there to a funeral home nearby. And um, this happened in a a five-minute period, whereby the car was broken into, the back window was smashed, three handbags were taken from the car. So we'd appeal to anyone that was uh, possibly either at that removal or just was in the area of Kingston College or, the, or, the, or that street nearby, that if they, if they saw anything, if they saw a car acting suspicious, suspiciously, if they, if they heard a bang, looked around, saw a car, you know, they might have memorised a, a, a car number or anything. Um, the Gardaí here in Formoy, uh, we'd be very happy to get any report, 02582100. But again, it's, it's, hopefully it's not a developing trend whereby you could see criminals targeting removals. And the, the three handbags, were they just left in the car on well, view? Uh, it's possibility that there were, yeah. Oh, it's possibility that there were, uh, that they could be seen, you know. I mean, like an awful lot of crime, particularly break into the cars, are opportunist, and it's driven by the fact that the criminal walking along, he sees a piece of property in the car, whether, it, whether it's an iPad, whether it's a handbag, whether it's an expensive jacket, whether it's sometimes maybe cash that's in the that's in the little unit in between the two seats. You know, it's driven a lot of the time by the fact that they see the item in the car, you know. Uh, Yeah, and of course, if it's anywhere near um, a funeral, uh, a removal, somebody watching, ladies getting out of the car, and just I'll take a look and see if there's any handbags there. And Bowman, as you say, in five minutes, gone. Yeah, so uh, just for people, you know, if they are locking up, you know, just make sure there's no property on display in the car. Because um, Bring it with say, you. there are opportunists around, uh, and as, as I said, hopefully it's not the start of a, a trend whereby, uh, you know, th- that criminals will go to places where there are a large amount of cars. You know, we've seen it at matches in the past. We've seen it, um, we've seen it at graveyards. We've seen it at schools, you know. So just for people to bear it in mind, um, okay. before you lock up the car, just make sure there's no property on display. Yeah, and leave, at the best advice of all, because, I mean, in that particular case, they smashed in the windows, just leave nothing. You leave leave, nothing. I mean, we're, we're, gone, we're gone to that stage, John, where you leave nothing of value in your car. Either take it with you or don't bring it out with you when you head out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the third incident, and again, again, I suppose this is happening at a time of year that, uh, you know, it's the new year. And for people to bear in mind, you know, uh, phone scams, computer scams, you, you know, they're getting more prevalent. You know, there's more money being stolen the whole time. Um, thankfully, this time, and this occurred on Monday, uh, the 6th, uh, a person got a phone call 10 o'clock in the morning here in Formoy. It was after receiving a call from a person purporting to be from the revenue. Now, the the person... Um, at the other end of the phone was looking for debit and credit card details of of the person that he rung. So thankfully, uh, the man realised it was a scam straight away, you know, and didn't give anything. But I suppose the main thing is for people to be aware, you never divulge personal or business information until you validated that the caller, you know, is a genuine representative of the, of the organisation they claim to represent. You know, hang up. You know, and it's important to realise that... Uh, uh, a phone call needs to be terminated at both ends. 
you know. So sometimes you can hang up. Uh, they're after telling you to ring a number. You pick it up. You know, the phone line is still open at the other end. So make sure that you hear a dial tone. Uh, you know, better of all, if you have a mobile phone handy, ring from that number. Never ring the number that they tell you to ring. Make sure uh, if if it's a bank or the Gardaí, you, you know, the, um, make sure that you look up the number, you, you know, from director inquiries. And they're clever, I think, John, in that when somebody gets a call from revenue from the taxman, hmm. it kind of puts the fear of God in people and the people think, oh, my God, I must owe money or something's gone wrong and I owe money. Yeah. And, and you might get sucked in to pass on details. It could be. It could be. And it could be that... Uh, the, the, the fact of revenue uh, ringing might put the fear of God worse into some people than others. Um, in, in in that they they may be already fearing revenue anyway. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, so look for people just to be very aware um, of that. And sometimes I suppose we're finding more and more that you have the kind of we you have the opportunist. Right, just mm-hmm. the same way as you have the opportunist that uh, you know as regards car car theft and that, but you also have the opportunist that rings up. He knows nothing about you, right? But you also may have some fraudsters that they already it's more targeted. They already have basic information about you, your business, your name, addresses. You you, you know, so do not assume a caller is is, is genuine just because they have some of that details. You know. Because we've gi- we give out so much information without even knowing it. Any of us that are on social media, it's very easy to build up a profile of on it someone. Is, it is, and I yeah. mean to be quite honest, and you just mentioned social media. Beco- uh, some people just are very, very careless with the amount of stuff that they're giving out on social media. You know, you know, as regards their details of where they're going, what they're doing. You know, it may be that uh, some of the people that they have, you know, made friends with. Over the years, do they know anything about them, in fact? Have they just, you know, taken a friend request without actually researching who they are or knowing who they are, you know? Yeah, yeah, you've got to be, you've got to be so careful. You've okay. got to be very careful. But, so but I, this I, call came in from somebody purporting to be from Revenue. Yes, yeah, correct. Okay. So again, invoices, and this is for businesses, just as you start the new year, just make sure um, that you're um, or, orally making sure if you get in an email with an invoice attached basically saying you know this company that you deal with regularly invoice uh, details are different uh, they're changed their bank details just orally make sure with that company by contacting uh, the, their own uh, uh, their own payroll section or, or, or their own uh, billing section just to make sure that they have indeed changed because we're seeing more and more of that and I think up the country there in the last few weeks there was a six figure sum changed hands oh, you know a lot of money and ah, it's a lot, it's a lot of money, and uh, you know, it may be if it's four or five days, it might be possible for the transaction to be blocked. If it goes over that, uh, you can really forget about it. You know, your money's gone. All right, okay, John. Listen, good words of Thank advice. You, Thank Patricia. you for that. Have a good Thank week, and we'll talk again. That is Sergeant John Kelly, based at Fomoygar, the station eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Jim and Clonakilty was on to us uh, to say a flyer came in the door from a supermarket this week with an offer on beef and they had beef they said the beef was at 34.99 a kg but the special offer for the start of the new year has a down knockdown price at 23 euro and 45 cent per kg that got Jim thinking Jim said the last time we were talking on the programme and we heard about the beef farmers and beef farmers were complaining beef farmers were saying they were getting 3 euro 45 cent 
per kg. Uh, Jim wants to know how can it go from three euro forty five cent kg to a supermarket selling it for thirty four euro and ninety nine cent, or even the lower price of twenty three euro. Who's making all of the money? Well, as the farmers will tell you, uh, it's everybody else is making all of the money. It's just not the farmer, and they are the primary producer. Now, coming up in the next hour, afternoons at twelve midday, Jane Pickett will join us, our resident vet. Have you a question about some of the animals in your house? If you've got a question, get it in, and I'll put it on your behalf to Jane when she joins us. We also have our Parkhaven Hotel competition to give away and remember we're upping the prize today because today's prize is two night B&B in a family suite and this is for two adults and uh, two children lovely lovely prize we will have a well known Kerryman for you to identify we'll do that all afternoons at 12 Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in low cost fuel just under three grand for you tomorrow morning if you guess my three celebrity C's. Sometimes it sounds different, you know, depending what time you listen to. Anyway. <laughs> That's your ears, Anne. Go and see a doctor. Play tomorrow to win. I got all that Friday morning traffic to help you get to where you need to be as quickly as possible. While you're having your cereal and a cuppa, make sure C103's on the radio. See you from six. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. So our competition this week is with the Park Avon Hotel on the Muckers Road in Killarney. That was formerly the Holiday Inn. All this week we've been playing a clip of a well-known Kerryman. You have to identify the Kerryman. Let us know who this person is. Send us your name and address. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 to be in with a chance today of winning two nights B&B in a family suite. This is for two adults and two children. Who is this? I was a judge a few times and I've been... Uh come to Tralee all my life but we were walking downtown last night and again today and just to see the buzz around the place the place looks absolutely immaculate uh, we're definitely getting easier as the week has gone on. Who is that? Text the answer along with your name and address 0862 103 103 and the prize for your family. Two adults, two children with complimentary leisure facilities. It includes a heated indoor swimming pool. There's a sauna, a steam room and a fitness room all in your family suite at the Park Avon Hotel on the Muckers Road in Killarney. And it's within walking distance of the town centre and of course the town centre in Killarney Anyone that's been there will know it's full of lively bars and full of lively attractions and there's so much to see and do in Killarney. You can explore, you can relax and you can enjoy and do it all while staying at the Park Avon Hotel. And you can check out their website, parkavonhotel.com. Let me play it again. I was a judge a few times and I've been uh, come to Tralee all my life. But we were walking downtown last night and again today and just to see the buzz around the place. The place looks absolutely immaculate. Okay, and as I say, it's a family suite we're giving away today. So get texting or WhatsApping on that, please. In the meantime, I'll catch up with some of your calls and comments that have come in to the programme. Uh, And also you can keep your pet questions coming. I would maybe do the pet questions by phone at the moment because the text and WhatsApp will be quite busy and I'm afraid you're 
question might get lost in the middle of it so if you're texting or whatsapping a pet question hold off on that until we finish with the competition which you can call John Paul at 1850 Now some of your calls and texts coming into the programme I mentioned earlier because we had a call in from a listener Jim in Clonakilty who was talking about a flyer that had come in through his door from a local supermarket who was they were doing a beef offer for the start of the new year and they were talking about the fact that beef had been on sale for €34.99 per kg and for the special January sale it was being reduced to €23.45 per kg and that got Jim thinking. He said the last time we discussed beef prices didn't we have farmers telling us that they get three about €3.45 per kg for their cattle. So he was scratching his head going how does it go from 3.45 to the primary producer to when you go into the supermarket to buy it it ends up at 34 euro and 99 cent and I was saying that's all of the people in between that are making the money and it's one of the issues that constantly gets highlighted by beef farmers well one of our listeners suggests to beef farmers give it all up forget about it you're never going to make money out of it this texter suggests they they should get into on the ground on they should get in on the ground floor of electricity farming. Forget watching the grass grow. They can sit watching the sunshine and watch their money roll in. That's a suggestion I'm assuming from somebody who isn't involved in agriculture saying that's the way that farmers should go. Uh, Hi Patricia this is on what's going on in our hospitals and the state of our hospitals at the moment and we've been focusing a lot about nurses and people have been talking about nurses and feeling really really sorry for the pressure that nurses are under and this listener wants to and it's a valid point says what about the junior hospital doctors they're absolutely run off their feet and nobody seems to notice the nurses although also run off their feet at least have each other to back themselves up and they are entitled to their breaks whereas the junior hospital doctors in many cases can go some days without a break there's nobody else there when they're on call or on duty they're on duty on their own and there's nothing outside of their job description in comparison to consultants and nurses so please let us not forget junior hospital doctors and it might explain why so many junior hospital doctors decide to leave Ireland and go overseas I was talking about that young doctor who hasn't worked for I think any more than six months in an Irish hospital and he's now gone off to Australia to work instead and Australia's gain is certainly Ireland's loss and we're losing too many of our junior doctors and I think that listener is right it's probably down to the conditions in which they are working and, and then John was listening to Sergeant John Kelly offering words of advice to people about not leaving valuables in cars but in particular to us females be very careful with the handbags and John, Sergeant John Kelly was talking about pretty mean crime that happened in Kingston outside Kingston College wasn't it in Mitchellstown only one, one evening this week three ladies three friends obviously going off to a removal travelled together and they said as you would do you're going into a funeral you're, you're going into removal you're going in to sympathise with people so we won't bring the bags with us we'll leave the bags in the car and unfortunately we're assuming left the three handbags in full view somebody now an opportunistic theft let's be honest nobody nobody had followed those three women to that removal somebody walked some gurrier walked by saw the three handbags smashed the back window three handbags gone ladies came back they were only not more than five minutes away from the car 
and all of their handbags gone. And Sergeant John Kelly saying you just need to be so careful. You can't leave anything in a car anymore. And another John by text says, putting that message out to women is simply a waste of time. Mark my words, says John, they'll do the same thing all over again tomorrow. I'm sick of telling people that. You've got to stop leaving valuables in uh, cars. And we constantly, John, if you're a regular listener to this programme, and particularly to the guard the fire that we run every Thursday, we're constantly trying to get that message out to people. But I suppose, and we're all guilty of this, we all we all say, yeah, I would leave nothing of value in my car. And then you go somewhere or you do something and you think, oh, it's only going to be a minute. I'll only be, I'll only be a few minutes. I'm just running into the shop. Or, you know, the, the case of the guy who left his van unlocked, unfortunately, at Donnerell Park, was only going to be away for a short period of time. I'm assuming he thought he had locked it, but again, left an iPad and other valuable items in it. You do it thinking just because you or I wouldn't steal or rob anything, you assume others won't. And, you know, I think we're too trusting, I think is the problem. And I also think there's that sense in our own minds that never happened to me, would it? And of course, when it does, then you realise it can happen to any of us. See, we do have to be so careful. So, John, we will continue to keep the message going. And hopefully every time we, we put the message out there, it'll prompt one person to say, right, I'm going to make sure I lock my car and I'm going to make sure that there's nothing of value in it. 1850-333-103. This is on parking. When we were talking about parking, or Joanna was parking in and around Porky Cueve that we were talking about earlier but it has led to other people now talking and citing other areas where you know parking needs to be looked at and a Formoy listener says I live in a small council estate in Formoy and my neighbours for whatever reason don't use the driveway where they can park off the street and park in front of their houses instead they will park anything up to three cars will be parked on the road outside their gate and it makes things very difficult for other drivers I wonder would the council do something about this or would I be flogging a dead horse says the Formoy listener and it's yeah now, the obvious one I would say to you, would you call into your neighbours and say, you know, you have off street parking outside your house? I don't know. I mean, the way you're describing the driveway sounds like two cars anyway could be parked in off the road. Have you tried talking to them? Have you tried saying, you know, do you realise that by having your three cars parked out on the road, you're blocking up the footpath or you're making it difficult for other drivers who want to pass? That would be the first port of call that I would say to you. And I don't know if you've tried that or maybe you don't get on with your neighbours. I don't know. But I don't know. I, I don't know if you're flogging a your dead dead horse by contacting the council. If, if you think it's a health and safety issue, if you think it's, you know, causing people to uh, health and safety issue and are they up on the footpath is it stopping people walking on the footpath maybe you could put a call into the council but my gut instinct would be would be try talking to them and see how you get on from there and let us know if you do manage to get through uh, let us know how you got on with them and maybe they haven't they, they don't realise that by parking out on the road that they're causing an inconvenience to other drivers and Michael wants to bring up about Prince Harry and Meghan that we mentioned earlier this is the British royals who have announced that they intend to step back from royal duties Michael says the extraordinary decision by Prince Harry and Meghan to step back or resign from royal duties sets a real crisis for the royal family 
family. They're still reading from the fact of the Queen having to technically sack her own son, Prince Andrew, over his close relationship with Jer- Jeffrey Epstein. Of course, it's been investigated by the FBI. And now her grandson revi- resigning from the royal family and not telling the Queen, his father, Ari's brother, two future kings. It's history repeating itself, says Michael. Could you call it another abdication? In other words, he's pulling out and moving abroad. Again, the press and the media never accepted Meghan Markle because she had a black parent, which is really shameful. Uh, yes, Harry always had that fear that the same thing which happened to Meghan has happened to his mother because of the paparazzi. It'll create a lot more headaches for the royals thanking you, says Michael. Yeah, and I think the big one was the fact that he they issued that statement yesterday and it seems they hadn't discussed it with the Queen, they hadn't discussed it with any other senior members of the royal family and it was, I think, one of the things that even the their, their people close to them obviously were aware of it was, were, was kind of giving them that advice saying you really need to share this with others but they didn't they, they certainly want to do their own thing and they certainly want to do it their own way and, and we wish them luck uh, with it thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 well Patricia says Morris I'm telling you do you know what's helping with the overcrowding in hospitals at the moment oh, this is Morris's theory on why so many people are sick at the moment it's down to people having their houses heated too hot in this mild weather and then they go out dressed as if it's summertime. I saw it myself in Middleton only last Tuesday. It was an absolutely miserable wet day and what did I see? A middle-aged man in shorts and a t-shirt walking in the rain. People need to dress properly for the time of year says Morris. I don't know why somebody opened shorts and t-shirts in the rain unless they were a jogger were they? But you are right. It is, the, it is very mild at the moment. I don't know if people are overheating their houses because certainly the one thing, the one big discussion I would have had with people over Christmas was the fact that it was so mild and people were talking about the fact that we didn't need to have our heating on like we normally would in in, in December and into January. We really have had a very, very mild spell. And I do know, and we had a doctor, one, I can't remember what doctor it was. It was, it was one of the doctors we spoke with, la, with at the back end of last year. I think we were talking about the flu vaccine and all that, who made the point that with the mild weather, what we actually need is a good cold spell. Because if you get a good cold spell, it'll kill off a lot of the bugs that are out there. But of course, if you have this very mild weather, it's not giving a chance for the bugs to be killed off. So that could be adding to it. So I don't know how many people are picking up colds and flus because they are dressing inappropriately. So Morris wants everyone to dress appropriately when you go outside. And hi, Patricia. This is from a regular listener on hospitals. The clerical staff in all hospitals are under pressure as well. These people have to cancel the appointments, etc. Et and are also subject to a lot of people venting their frustrations on them. Now, that's, that's a good point. And I think a point that we don't often think about the poor old clerical staff who would have been ringing up, ringing around and ringing people the other day, certainly on Sunday evening don't you know they started ringing Sunday evenings or they wait till Monday morning to say hey your, uh, your elective surgery has been cancelled, yeah you could just imagine that's a job nobody would like to do for sure. Uh, 1850 I don't know if we're closing off our competition have we a winner picked yet? Uh, no, we haven't. I'll wait on John Paul for that one. OK, I can see he's been very busy on the phone lines as well. OK, last few minutes then uh, for our Park Avon Hotel competition. Who's this? 
it's this is by phone and text. This is not by phone. This is by text or WhatsApp only. 0862 103 103. I was a judge a few times and I've been uh, come to Tralee all my life. But we were walking downtown last night and again today. And just to see the buzz around the place, the place looks absolutely immaculate. Text and WhatsApp only. Don't call us, please, on that one. 0862 103 103. Just a couple of minutes left. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Kildallery next uh, draw for their lotto is on tonight. €4,400. It'll be held in Walsh's Bar uh, tonight. There will be a one-day safe talk in Bantry. That's in the Drumlee Resource Centre. It's tomorrow from 10am to 1pm. Now admission is free but you do need to register 028 40402. Culloden District Special Needs Association they're holding their annual sponsored weigh-in. It kicks off next Monday 13th of January 8 o'clock and it's in Cullen Community Centre. And Drina Community Alert will hold an information night in Drina Community Hall next Tuesday 14th of January 8 o'clock. Topics to be discussed will include farm safety, fire and crime prevention and home and property security. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103 And when we were talking about parking... A listener has contacted us. Where's it gone? It's in the middle of all the texts that came in. Uh, We live in Cork, in Dunmanis Park, in Cork. I don't know what part of the city that is. Anyway, this listener says, often our bins collection doesn't happen. Why? On account of cars parked outside of neighbours' houses. The bin truck can't get into the park. I've tried to talk to neighbours. I've even tried to talk to City Hall. I often worry if an ambulance or a fire brigade needed to access the area, what would happen? Isn't that shocking? I don't think I've ever heard of that happening before, that a bin, the bin collection truck can't make it into an area because people, are, parking is just so bad. That really is uh, quite shocking. 1850 Back to the health system and the state of the health system and people talking about the Minister for Health. Is it the Minister for Health's fault? Whose fault is it? Who do you point the finger of blame uh, at? Eileen, and we, we know that we're heading towards a general election. Eileen has contacted us in Bear Island. Uh, good afternoon to you, Eileen. Hi, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Now, Thank you. Now, you, you, if we are heading for general election, which we are expecting, it could be as early as the 7th of February and we could be out on Valentine's Day. It would be a great day, wouldn't it, to go out voting. You're a bit disillusioned with the whole thing of politics at the moment. I I, I was saying to John Paul, it's the first time, I'm nearly 73 now, and it's the first time I actually don't know how I'm going to vote because I'm just totally disillusioned with what's going on, especially in our health system. I mean, uh, I just think Simon Harris is out of his depth, to be honest with you. I think Leo Varadkar, I think, doesn't live in the real world, to be honest. I think the likes of him, Michal Martin, Simon Harris, I think they live a privileged life, so they don't understand what real day-to-day living is. And, I mean, you look at... I mean, we want... You know, we want to be proud of our country. But anyone around the world looking at what we are facing now, it's like a war zone in our hospitals. It's ridiculous. I, I, you know, I have a cold now. Now I'm, 
I would be terrified it would escalate into anything else and I would have to go into hospital because I would be petrified to yeah. go into hospital uh, in yeah, case I would actually be left on the trolley and die there. Yeah, it's and the I point I keep making. Yeah, that, is, that is going to happen, you know, that someone is actually going to die in the and and So I'd say to Leo Varadkar, Simon Harris, Michal Martin, others, wake up to what's going on. You know, I mean, they're talking about commemorations next week. So forget about things like that. They don't matter. What matters is the people lying in trolleys. What matters is the people living on our streets. In you know, you see them lying in doorways. Okay, some people said they can't, you know, let them help themselves, but... They need help. People like that. I fear like for our young people, you know, you see people struggling with mortgages. You you see young people committing suicide because they feel they have no future. So Mr. Radker, wake up. Why does he have to travel around the world? Travel on your own expenses. Cut down your wages, you know, and say to people, this is what I'm going to do because I feel for you. You know, and the and the on the health one, the, yeah. what, what always frustrates me about the health when we have situations like this in a crisis like this, they'll throw a load of money at us. There'll be money found. Yeah, oh, we'll give okay. them another yeah, ten yeah. million, twenty million, thirty million. But money, money doesn't seem to no. solve the problem. No, get down to you know, get down to what the problem is. I mean, there's there are problems in our health system, our education system, our social welfare system. So. Put the money to, into finding out what exactly. Look at the home help system. I mean, that is just chaotic. You yeah, know? and then really we've got is. people stuck in hospital beds who should yeah. be at home, but they can't go it home because be they can't. They, they can't, can't get home helps. They can't get home. And help. and while they're in the bed, there's somebody down in the A and E who has waiting who, for a yeah, bed. It's just crazy, yeah. crazy. I mean, you know, I was in hospital two years ago, and I saw the system. And I, I mean, I was, you know, I went in the morning, and I was turfed out in the evening after my surgery. No, I'm not complaining about that. I was fine and I went home. But the thing is, I mean, the poor nurses, I mean, they couldn't wait to get me out of that bed to get someone else into it. Mm. Um, and, and I feel so sorry for them because they're totally frustrated with the system. And, and, and I just feel that if you get right down to what the flaws are, then maybe you'll get somewhere. And, and at the moment, I don't know who's going to do that. As I they think talk about Michal Martin. I, I just don't think, I, I don't see who's going to do it, but maybe. Well, he tried he before. He was a minister for did. health before. I know he was. Yeah. And he and, will and, always be credited with getting the, uh, the cigarettes. Uh, and he yeah. was brilliant. And, and that was, a, that thing, was yeah. a great thing. But go back but to Patricia, the nurses. The government we're going to get is going to be a propped up government again. Mm. We're not going to get a single party in government. We're going to get a government that's propped up by independence. And and in fairness, I know Michael Collins is independent and yes, he tries his best. I know he does, but independents really are only out for to you know, for themselves as well and trying to get their little corner or Well they look after their area, but isn't oh, that what's wrong with that? But isn't that what's wrong with our political system? Everybody is looking after their own seat and their yeah. own patch. And yeah. when there's yeah. grants to be given out, everybody's fighting for their own corner. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, do we need to completely we look at the way at the way yeah at the way we elect politicians yeah because yes. they're from the day they get in they're worried about their seat on, on yes, the, on the next summer. go back to yes. the nurses though for for a second the the nurse I think that really got to me was the nurse last Sunday who was heading into the meeting with the INMO and CUH and she was an A and E nurse and she said that for the first time in her career she had cried while on duty and it struck me how if she was that stressed how was she doing her job right 
God help her that she got that upset. That upset, yeah, because, and she's not the only one. No. There are dozens of nurses like her because they are disillusioned. And I, I just don't, I feel Simon Harris, you know, it's sometimes you feel like catching him and shaking him and saying, look here, look at what's going on around you. And he doesn't seem to see it. Yeah, he always And I just think he's completely out of his depth. I don't think the man should be in the job at all. He seems so young, doesn't he? I know, I know he does. And I just <laughs> think all. at the moment now, we I shouldn't think he be just excited. can't cope. Yeah. You know, We're watching him on. go grey, actually, as the days go yeah, by. I've I noticed that. Yes, all right, listen, yes. Nadine, I could talk all day to you. Thank you for that. How is, it, how is listen, everybody? Could I, just, I, could I just give a mention? My son got married on Friday. Oh, congratulations. So, thank you. So just to give a mention to James and Sarah and... and um, wish them long life and happiness together. Was it a great day uh, out? It was a wonderful day and thanks to, as well to the Rochester Park Hotel they were outstanding. And was the weather so, good on for us? It, a nice it day was a lovely day. Lovely day, a lovely day, A lovely family. It was just a family wedding and it was absolutely lovely. Well, yeah. congratulate. What's their names again? James and Sarah. James Murphy. and Sarah. Congratulations yeah. to James yeah. and Sarah. Listen, hi to everybody on Bear Island, darling. Thank you. And Patricia. thank you for that. Thanks for joining thank us. You. God bless. Uh, bye bye. 1850 333 Okay, we're closing our competition for the Park Avon and I will see, have we a winner yet? No, we don't. I know John Paul has been extremely busy. The phone lines have been hopping mad. So we will let John Paul work on sorting out a winner, but you can stop your entries for our Park Avon competition. We're closing that off because I want to free up the text message service and the WhatsApp service. If you have a pet question for Jane, please get it into us now. 86 Pet questions, please. Or you can give John Paul a call when the phone's is up a little bit to 1850 So a quick break. I'm back with uh, Jane Pickett answering all of your pet questions. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.com this is the Court Today replay on C103. Court Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Okay, I'm going to give you the winner for our competition for the Park Avon Hotel on the Muckress Road in Killarney, formerly the Holiday Inn. I've been judged a few times and I've been uh, come to Trilly all my life. But we were walking downtown last night and again today. And just to see the buzz around the place, the place looks absolutely immaculate. And it was, of course, Dahi O'Shea. And actually looking down, I don't think we didn't have one wrong answer uh, today. No, there were everyone at Dahi O'Shea, so well done. Huge, huge response to this. We have selected our winner and our winner of a family suite for two adults and two children, complimentary leisure facilities, which has got a heated indoor swimming pool, sauna, steam room and a fitness room is going to Bridget O'Brien 
Grange in Douglas. Congratulations, Bridget O'Brien, Grange in Douglas. You could make arrangements now and plan a little trip to the Park Haven Hotel, the Muckworth Road in Killarney. And if you want to check out the hotel, take a look on their website, parkhavenhotel.com. And we have one more prize to give away tomorrow. And it is another one of the family suites for two adults and two children. So we will have another well-known Kerry, famous Kerry person for you tomorrow to identify. And our thanks to everyone at the Park Haven Hotel. Jane Pickett is in the studio. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. From the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. You got on okay over Christmas? Oh, you know, it was a blast. I think it's it's one of those things. You have moments of excitement, but then a lot of relaxing, which is the way I like it. Yeah. Were you called out? Were the vets called out? A little bit, a little bit. Particularly over Christmas and kind of, I, I was, um, I was on doing part of the duty over the kind of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Stephen's Day period, but it was actually quite lovely in a way because I was sharing the on call with my with my dad, Michael, who's also a vet. Ah, oh, fabulous! So it was kind of a family affair. So and was, did you did, nice. did you get call outs? We do. You always yeah. do. You always get yeah. a few. But that's what we're there for. In the end of the day, we're there to provide an emergency service, and we always hope that it'll be a, a quiet and peaceful Christmas, and there'll be no emergencies for the the pet and large animal owners out there. But there's there's always a and few. people are good. It's only it's only oh, absolutely. absolutely necessary. Absolutely, isn't it? absolutely. Yeah. And, and those are the calls you really don't mind going out to. That's what we're there for. That's yeah. what we want to take care of and um, kind of make sure everybody's okay and can get back to normality again. So. I don't know if you heard our piece um, during the during the week or was it with you? Was it yesterday? Um, it was only yesterday with uh, Lisa Donovan of the ISPCA who was talking about the appalling condition that the eight little dogs in Mallow mm. were found. Were found in. Will we ever see an end to that? that? I mean, as a vet, it must be very upsetting for you to see that kind of animal it neglect is. and cruelty. It is. You know, it's heartbreaking. But I suppose from from the point of view of the ISPCA particularly they do such a fabulous job we see a certain amount of it but particularly the first line the front line inspectors like Lisa that you were speaking to they do an absolutely incredible job and they they see all sorts of things all sorts of things that will be very distressing for most people and that's part of their job and they take it all in their stride and just really have the the welfare of the animals kind of that they're meant to be taken care of at the forefront of their mind and trying yeah. to do the best so it's it's really really tough I think it, there's always going to be a certain amount of it there we would hope that in time with education and the reduction in let's say irresponsible breeding practices like puppy farming that these things would would reduce and I think they really is the minority most pet owners out there take fabulous care of their pets absolutely um, but but there's always a, a but few we have we have eight little dogs that need to be rehomed even though she said that because they're, they're just adorable they're Bichon <laughs> freezes and um, and three little chitzes oh, and uh, there's loads of people mm. lining up which is terrific but that's but, great but to see. it was an opportunity as well to talk about rehoming and you know if you do want uh, a much loved pet there's nothing better and I know yeah. you're a big advocate yeah. for, for taking um, on a I am I, a, I have a, a few myself yeah. <laughs> I have um, m- most recently actually from the ISPCA um, just under a year ago now I think it was um, I took on a little dog called Sally um, and she's an ancient toothless terrier in her teens and I cannot convey the the joy and love and everything that little dog has and she gives it out in spades as well she's an absolute cracker of a little dog and I think giving an older dog particularly not just the young puppies that might need a new home a new lease of life you can kind of see the appreciation in their eyes it's as if they know isn't it yeah because they come from all sorts of different backgrounds sometimes it might be a change in circumstance or sometimes it might be something a lot more serious Um, either way I think if you have space in your home and the time and can undertake that responsibility and I think 
think that's a really important thing. It's not something to be done lightly. Um, then I think taking on a, a rescue dog or cat is a that's really great. fabulous thing yeah, to do. There's something, there is something fantastic yeah. about it. Okay, uh, let me get straight into questions already coming in for you. Newlin from Oi was on, has a terrier dog, seven-year-old, uh, not going to the toilet. It's like he's trying to go but can't, I'm assuming constipation is what she's talking about. Uh, and, he, and he doesn't appear to be drinking a lot either. Any okay. advice? That's a little bit of a concern. Now, if, if it's going to the toilet and it's wheeze that he can't do, then that's really a, a bit of an emergency and you should probably pop to your vest post haste, as it were, to deal with that. If he's a male dog, I assume, um, because sometimes yeah, very much like in very much like in humans, there's a number of things that can cause difficulty peeing. Sometimes it can be as simple as, let's say, a, a bit of discomfort from a urinary tract infection. And that's perhaps a little bit more easily solved. But particularly in, in male dogs, it can be particularly a big problem if they have uh, bladder stones or kidney stones and it can actually cause a, an obstruction in the flow of the pee out out into the outside world as it were and that can cause the bladder to swell up like a big balloon which is very very dangerous for that patient um, and they can become very very unwell indeed. Um, now as I say there's lots of different things that can cause problems weeing but I think best to check with your vet if okay. it's problems on the pooing side of things um, sometimes it can be as simple as a a lack of hydration they're a little bit constipated it's like ourselves if we don't drink a lot of water or don't have enough roughage mm. in the diet sometimes we can get a little bit constipated and it's interesting that the, that they actually said he's not drinking a lot mm, and that's that's an indicator really if he's not drinking a lot that he's maybe feeling not so well in himself now yeah. it could be well the the struggling to toilet that might be causing that or it could even be part of a, a a kind of a bigger collection of symptoms. I think it's really good that they're being very observant with the eating and drinking habits. But I think at this point, given that there's consistent trouble toileting and now we're seeing knock on effects like not wanting to drink a lot, I definitely advise a visit to your vet. Okay. Um, and Martin, any advice for a young Labrador pup who whines at night when he's on his own in a room? We're trying to get him to be on his own, but he's keeping the whole household awake. Oh, this is always the problem. <laughs> That's I a companion. He's just, he's lonely, yeah, isn't he? He's lonely. And yeah. I think a lot of the time, uh, I suppose we don't want to humanise our pets too much, but really it's it's quite a useful way of thinking about certain things. Think, well, if this was a human child, what would the situation be here? And I suppose you get a lot of, let's say, young young children, toddlers, waking up in the middle of the night, not feeling like there's anybody around, being a bit worried because they're left alone, they want some company. It's exactly the same for a pup of three or four months of age. They're at the toddler stage, essentially. So it's good to kind of think of them in that way. Now, I suppose you don't want to be running to them every single time you hear a whimper because that will reinforce the behaviour. They know Mm -hmm. that if there's the tiniest peep out of them, somebody will appear and they'll go, great, playtime. And you don't really want that at three o'clock in the morning. I think a certain amount of it will be just making sure that their area is comfortable. They have all the resources they need so they have heat a comfortable bed somewhere kind of secure and safe to sleep without disruption okay they have water available at all times it's like my like myself i like to have a glass of water near my bed they might be thirsty in the middle of the night and it might just be that they're trying to let you know equally at that age three four months of age it might be that they're letting you know and whining that they need to go out um, so make sure they've been yeah, toileted make, exactly yeah. make sure they go out last thing at night now sometimes until they're about six months of age they don't really have full kind of muscular bladder control they physically can't hold things too well however hard they may try so they may just be trying to tell you look I need to go to the bathroom can you let me out um, so pay attention to that and, and try and make sure they go out last thing at night before you go to bed other things you can do are a little bit of noise it's very much like those like, white noise machines that you can get for children 
similar things work quite well for dogs sometimes. Now, Ra- a radio on in the yeah, background? Yeah, a little radio yeah. on in the background, but something very relaxed. You might find this, you know, radio stations change over time. The programming, you might end up with club music at 3am yeah, somewhere. Yeah, which you don't want. So be a little bit careful. Put yeah. on something like maybe, let's say, a classical music CD. Okay. Something like that. Or even just like a talk show radio so that there's like a little mumble in the background. Low enough that it's not going to wake up everybody in the house or keep the dog awake. But just a little bit of a din that's kind of reassuring, as it were. Um you you can get lots of different noises. There's even some on, on like whatever kind of podcast or provider you have that are kind of white noise for dogs, just ambient noise. And that can be a really helpful thing to settle them if they're reassured that not everybody has disappeared out of the house. They don't have a home alone yeah, and, situation. And they will grow out of it. It's they just grow, it's I think to stick with it at the it's moment. sticking with it, not giving in too easily to go and see what every whimper is, but mm. still being mindful you need to make sure they're safe and comfortable um, sticking with it try and make them as comfortable as possible another thing I'd say is try and tire them out during the day um, take them for a good long good long walk good play in the garden make sure they've exerted all of the excess energy they have so they don't wake up at 3am and want to play um, okay. they need rest time to process the world and someone else was kind of a similar problem my Yorkie is hyper uh, 13 month old uh, barks constantly would neutering help not necessarily. Okay. Um, neutering is important. Neutering is important. But it doesn't necessarily help with... Exactly. It doesn't necessarily help with barking. Okay. Um, I think that's probably more behavioural and energy. Now, if it's aggressive barking, and that can be driven by testosterone, the male hormone, a little but bit it's sometimes. pulling away but cushions. It's, it's, you can see it. You can yeah. almost see the terrier doing it. It's a little bit, yeah, a little bit different. I think neutering is really important from a health perspective, but also from a responsible dog ownership point of view. You don't want to be adding to the incidental population of dogs and cats out there. There's plenty that needs homes already. Um, and also it has lots of health benefits in the boys. It reduces their risk of prostate disease. They can't get testicular cancer and they tend to roam a little bit less. In the ladies, it reduces their risk of breast cancer and fatal womb infection. So it's really important. But from a behavioural point of view, I think this dog probably like a 13 month year old, you're a 13 month old terrier. They're going to have bundles of energy. Again, you need to make sure you're burning some of that energy off and giving them a lot of mental stimulation as well. They are clever little dogs. They need to keep their brain occupied. Um, I would try lots of things like not just feeding them their food in a bowl, hiding little bits around, getting puzzle feeders. Um, there's lots of different ones on the market. Try and give them some mental stimulation, but also make sure they get two really good walks a day, lots of play in the garden. Maybe even some training will be really helpful. Um, so sometimes if you can, if they're barking really incessantly, if you can get them to refocus by saying sit or... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Or down or, you know, do a, a special trick, something you've trained them to do. You're fulfilling their mental stimulation, but it's also a distraction tactic. Okay. So that's something quite good. It's, it's kind of double-edged sword for you you can you can get them to stop but you can also you know give them some mental fulfillment so i think that would be really really important um barking is challenging i think a lot of the time some of the worst things you can do are shout roar or you know anything like that if you get angry at them they're getting response and they think that's great fun a lot of the time the best thing you can do is Is take them to the quiet take them to a quiet room try distraction with training first of all um or distraction with play try and get them away from the barking behavior if there's something that's particularly triggering off the barking because I know particularly if you live in an urban area that's really challenging because you have to be considerate of your neighbors in a rural area it's not such a big problem um, and a lot of us are lucky that way at least we don't have to to worry about mm. noise complaints um, but I think try try and try and distract them if that's not working just try and give them some downtime if they're crate trained great if you can just pop them into a quiet room relax blanket classical music try and get them to settle a little bit that can sometimes help you just need to break the cycle a little bit but burn off the energy uh, again and it comes up nearly every week they're like Mm. bad habits you just need to try and nip them in the bud Mm -hmm. Um, Hi Patricia could you ask uh, Jane the vet please my chocolate Labrador which I think are just most magnificent dogs oh they're beautiful chocolate (laughs) called Labrador gorgeous it seems to be lame Uh, just on one back leg it seems to be giving her trouble what could it be ah okay one back leg and a little bit lame now it could just be something as simple as a strain or a sprain or a little bit of soft tissue damage a little bit of strained muscle um, and hopefully that would be it and I think maybe a visit to your vet to check that out and hopefully that would be the best case scenario because a lot of the time rest will improve things like that but the common things are common particularly in large dogs we see an awful lot of knee problems so it's it's kind of the footballer's disease the cruciate ligament disease it's um, a little crisscross of ligaments that stabilize the knee Labrador's large dogs particularly if they're carrying a little bit of weight that's one of the key causes of lameness and that that's a really big problem that's a lot more serious and something that will be, will be needed to be dealt with by your vet equally we can have problems with the hips the kneecaps it can be a with huge Labrador's, yeah. Yeah, yeah a huge variety of things can happen I think if the lameness is consistent and it sounds like it is and that you're concerned for your pet's comfort I'd pop to the vet they'll check them over manipulate the leg probably watch them at walk and trot to see how, how lame they are and what things exacerbate it and that'll be able to give them a good indication as to where the lameness, where the source of the pain is, as where um, they may need further investigations like X-ray or CT. And you yeah, can be, be guided that, by your vet. You know, lameness that comes and goes uh, mm. is is okay because, as you say, it might have been a strain or whatever, and then yeah. they get over. But if it continues, it if, does need to be investigated. Exactly. Yeah. Or if or if it's very severe, if they're really struggling to put that leg under them, they definitely need to be seen. Okay, Donald, a ten-year-old Jack Russell seems to have what's been described as a very watery, glassy eye and then today he started sneezing okay. could it be a cold says Donald. potentially yes um it could well be i suppose i it could be a little bit of a cold we do actually have a tube between our 
eye and our nose, which drains our tears. Okay. So sometimes if you do have a little bit of a, a nasal or, or a, let's say, upper upper respiratory tract, so then the nose and the back of the mouth um, infection, like a head cold, um, sometimes that little tube can get blocked and give you quite watery eyes. But equally, I will be a little bit concerned with the watering of the eyes just in case it is a, a separate problem. If we maybe have a little bit of a, a, a cold, as it were, that might run its course. But if we do have any problems with the eyes, they can sometimes be a little bit more fragile than than anything else and might need dealing with. I think certainly if everything settles down within a day or two and your dog is otherwise well and there's no abnormalities that you can see with the eyes, you could see how you go. But I think if you're concerned or you feel that the watering is severe or the dog is in any way unwell, pop to your vet for a check. And it's it's 10 because when I saw it first, yeah. I was thinking with the watery, glassy eye, mm. I was just... Is that how a cataract would, would so present? Cataracts no? are a little bit of a complex one. So a cataract is essentially a problem with the lens, which is inside the eye. It's not, let's say, a same as a human, lens. isn't same, it? Same as a yeah. human, exactly. So it doesn't, it wouldn't get watery. They can actually sometimes. Oh, okay. So sometimes the cataract can cause a little bit of inflammation in the other structures in the eye and that can cause a little bit of discomfort in the front of the eye and they can get a little bit watery and red. So I wouldn't rule it out completely and certainly that's why I'd say if you're at all concerned, visit your vet because particularly in a slightly older dog, there are a few more options that of, of things it could be that and might if, be a little if bit it more was, sinister. If it was with me diagnosing my cataract, that, <laughs> can be, that can be dealt with, can't it? It's it can, it same can. Same as humans? Similar to humans, indeed, yeah. Um, certainly there's there's a number of lovely ophthalmologists who their day job essentially is just dealing with eyes in dogs and cats. Um, is there a waiting list like there is for humans? You know, I'm not no. certain. Generally not. Um, but okay. there's, there's definitely things that can be done. All right, because we've, we've discussed that before. Yeah. Christmas, so it's easier to get a vet than it is a doctor. All right, <laughs> listen, Jane, thank you for that. We'll chat again thank next you. week. Thanks for joining us. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you for the final one of the week tomorrow morning at at 10 o'clock. Hoping you can join us on to the line. Patricia Messenger, have a very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Get the must-have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.